Welcome, I'm Chris Perryman, Corporate Portfolio Manager for the EM Fixed Income team at Pinebridge, and I'm joined today by Hani Redder, Portfolio Manager in our Global Multi-Asset team. We will be discussing key themes moving global markets with a focus on emerging markets and sharing our thoughts on how inflation, central bank policy and growing momentum behind sustainability may drive investing this year. So without further ado, Honey, what is your macro perspective on EMs? Where do you see the value bottom up? Thanks, Chris. Good to be with you today. So look, coming into 2023, things uh, look quite interesting because late last year, the outlook was overall looking quite negative to us, expecting global growth to be de- decelerating as a result of the tightening of financial conditions, failing of the stimulus support through the pandemic. So overall, quite negative, and uh, we've been bearish on risk assets through all of 2022, and we're kind of holding on to that position. But Having said that, one thing that really changed in a big way and is very important for the outlook this year is what things look like in China. After you know the political cycle got settled in October, we saw a U-turn effectively on COVID policies in China and essentially putting in place the plans to reopen the economy support the real estate sector, which has been under a lot of pressure, and overall encouraging a reacceleration of growth. And uh, it's happened faster than expected. It is bumpy and difficult to pinpoint exactly what the pace will be and if any other issues come through. But generally speaking, we see China is in a very different trajectory compared to most of the rest of the world, particularly the developed world. And so that sets up an environment where we've got desynchronized growth across the world. We've got big chunks of the world in the the developed markets decelerating. And then we've got the biggest anchor of emerging markets, China, accelerating. Now, overall, in multi-asset, we are positioned cautiously, but where we have risk budget we're actually finding more interesting opportunities centered around this China-driven acceleration and finding things to do that look interesting within emerging markets. So that's how I would say the backdrop looks like globally. And then within EM, what we find is that zooming out at the overall global asset class level, fixed income is looking more attractive than it's been for a very long time. With the big reset in yields that we've had, we think that fixed income is actually the most attractive asset class to be focused on right now. And within that, emerging markets provide a yield enhancement. And so they actually also look uh, interesting. But we can get into maybe what the relative value looks like and what the pros and cons are. But overall, I would summarize by saying that this is a year which is actually quite supportive for EM in general because of the trajectory China's in. And at the same time, in contrast to the rest of the world, it makes it relatively even more attractive in that sense. There's less competition effectively to to make it attractive compared to uh, markets that are deteriorating. 
Thanks very much, Hani. That's, a, that's an interesting start. And I think from our perspective within the specializations of EM, I think we agree in terms of return expectations for next year being stable and interesting enough, right? It, which is probably a, a, a good way to frame what is a more stable rate environment with a pickup in yield. So between 5 and 7%, depending on the assets within EM, so sovereign or corporate IG or high yield. So with that in mind, in terms of looking at the outlook for dollar, which often has an EM kind of bent on where EM could trip up, has your dollar outlook changed? Do you see that having negative or positive effects around your EM view? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Chris. There are more than reasons that, uh, why we're finding EM attractive than just China. So China would be the big anchor, I would say. Without that, I don't think we could be positive on EM. So that is the anchor. But there's two things that I would add which kind of enhance the outlook uh, even further. One of them is the dollar. And so getting into the vicinity of a peak in Fed funds uh, with the Fed approaching terminal rate and the end of its hiking cycle is already starting to take the steam out of the dollar. And at the same time, as when you know the US is decelerating and the Fed is going to go on hold, we're seeing now China accelerating. That tends to be you know, quite positive for rest of world growth, which is the other side of the US dollar, obviously. And coupled with that, we've also got a relatively better outlook for Europe now as a result of the collapse in energy prices after what turned out to be a more mild uh, winter and an environment where energy storage uh, had reached levels that were able to prevent dislocations and distress in Europe. And so European growth on the margin also looks better for now. And these factors are pushing up rest of world growth at a time when US growth is still set to decelerate, setting up for you know a weaker dollar. And that is positive for all things EM, <laughs> I would say. And you know, that will be the case particularly for you know local currency assets, but it's also supportive of broader EM assets, even those that are US dollar denominated, as they uh, typically uh, would be. Thanks very much, Hadi. So I guess the other side to the dollar strength and the reason we've had it is inflation. If we look at that in kind of broad context, I think as an EM specialist, inflation isn't a surprise and isn't something we're not used to dealing with. I think if you look at different countries through the world, double-digit inflation is kind of the norm and central banks and the people within those countries can learn to cope with it. And the corporates and the financials have robust balance sheet management that can cope. So I think you know if you look at the broad picture of inflation and sort of how, I guess, sticky inflation has been a theme of 2022, how do you see sort of inflation changing your outlook or maybe affecting things? Yep, and that's the third factor that uh, is supportive for EM, and that is what we call EM disinflation as a theme. You see, at the macro level, what we notice very clearly is that, you know, because the emerging markets did not respond to the pandemic the same way that the developed markets did. And in the DMs, we saw much more direct stimulus and fiscal spending that created this overheating environment. And that's shown up in incredibly tight labor markets in uh, the US, Europe, Japan, 
And these very tight labor markets are setting up for much stickier, much more stubborn inflation compared to the emerging market countries where, of course, they also suffered from a similar spike in inflation, but a lot more of that inflation is due to food and energy and more transitory drivers rather than the stickier structural labor market-driven inflation. And so as a result, we would expect emerging markets to enter a disinflationary phase sooner than we expected in developed markets. And that also becomes quite supportive because it means that the EM monetary policy settings can turn more supportive earlier than you would expect to see from the likes of the Fed and the ECB in Europe. And so that's also quite a positive driver. That means, again, EMs are out of sync with the developed world and can actually give you quite a good portfolio diversification as a result of that. And uh, overall, that means we think investors should be looking to add more EM exposure to their portfolios right now. Okay, after a bit of a tricky year in 2022, you might describe in terms of return expectations and then an increasing accelerating Fed environment where you know rates moved 200 basis points and we saw a lot of volatility around that. How are things shaping for your yield expectations in terms of 2023? Would you characterize it in a particular way? I know a lot of people are sort of trying to characterize it as a year of carry. And, and within that, how do you see sort of that shaping up? I guess obviously timing is everything within the year, but you know, how would you characterize 2023 in terms of yield expectations and where you see value or direction for yields? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question to do with valuations and how attractively valued are EM assets relative to uh, other parts of fixed income. And I think you have to think about this over two different time frames as well. You can look at it as the near term, you know, the next few months or, or even the full 2023. But we would also uh, suggest looking at a multi-year sort of time frame as well to get an idea. In our investment process, we find that valuing asset classes through the full cycle gives a much more robust measure of valuation, relative attractiveness, and uh, avoids getting a distorted picture of how attractively valued an asset is. So that's how we would approach it. But I would say that, look, overall, fixed income has had a painful few quarters. It has reset yields higher, which makes it stand out as a very attractive way to add um, stable return to your portfolios. Now, in the very near term, what we're seeing is that Treasury yields, risk-free yields, have risen significantly, whereas credit spreads have not. We've only seen a mild or modest widening of credit spreads. And so it's not just you know, credit assets or emerging market assets, but it's actually even looking further out on the risk spectrum, even equities. All asset classes are struggling to compete with risk-free assets right now. That's by design. That's precisely what the central bankers want to see to encourage us to take risk lower and slow things down in the economy. And so when you're getting something of the region of 
over 4% from short-dated treasuries. It's quite difficult for any asset class to, to compete with that. Having said that, we find that the risk profile of emerging market corporate investment-grade bonds in particular look quite good, given the favorable fundamental outlook that we hold, with the recognition that the spreads are not standing out uh, particularly attractively, but the all-in yields are very attractive given the risk profile. And then if you do take a multi-year perspective, as we encourage our clients to do, then we find that even relative to growth assets, fixed income assets actually look quite attractive. And EM certainly stands out for its yield enhancement and low default risk profile at this stage. Uh, the asset class is very much cleaner than it has been historically, which sets it up for lower default rates. And that makes it quite attractive on a multi-year view if you lock in these levels of yield. So I think you have to take a multi-year view to see it as particularly attractive. You get a bit of a yield enhancement relative to where treasury yields are today, but as those yields decline, you'll get a release of value over the next few years, which we think will be uh, very attractive over time. Thanks, Henny. Yeah, I think that ties in with the EM view in terms of where we are in the credit cycle. We've probably seen the peak in balance sheet quality for corporates, but that doesn't mean or imply that we're suddenly going to fall off a cliff, right? So, you know, EM has very much come into this period of volatility and challenge with a great balance sheet, and they continue to manage that well through this cycle. Um, so, yeah, for us, the same outlook, I think fundamentals-wise, a strong driver of, of our positivity on EM and you know, valuations relative to October. Okay, there's a challenge there short term, but long term, again, still agree with you. I think we like the risk adjusted profile of EM versus DM credit. Um, we think there's value there still on a long term basis. And if I could ask you, Chris, within the credit spectrum, am I right that you are still favoring higher quality at this stage in the cycle? Yeah, that's definitely been a theme for us over the last two quarters is to up in quality because I think from a risk reward basis, and as you were saying, I think there's not really a return profile that looks great in an environment where the risk-free yields are higher. That isn't a better quality outcome. I think the key thing for us, obviously, is when and if the Fed decides to change direction, you could see a differing return profile for high yield at that point as that lower rate environment makes funding less tight for those guys. And we see perhaps some green shoots of growth that help them. So yeah, I think for us, you know, timing is everything. And that timeline over the next 12 month period would favor IG and higher quality. Great. Okay. Well, I hope our listeners found this to be an interesting conversation. Walked away with some insights, maybe even a desire to dig a little deeper into some emerging market opportunities or through multi-asset strategies uh, to access them. And we will look forward to future episodes where we can cover other aspects of the opportunity set. To find out more, please visit our website, pinebridge.com. And with that, I'm left to thank you all for listening to us. And thanks, Chris, for joining me for this discussion. We hope that you'll join us again to listen to our upcoming episodes. Thank you very much.